Winston Churchill once said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Get ready to be inspired. This is the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Big Fish Cares Podcast. Whether it's business, life, financial, relationships, we're sharing stories and journeys to help inspire you to be optimistic and to take action. No matter the hurdle in life, you can do it, and we're here to help. Welcome to the Big Fish Cares Podcast, and here's your host, Benny Fisher. All right, everyone. I am here with a good friend of mine, Dan Constantino. Did I do good. it right? That was perfect. Because, I mean, I've been calling this guy Constantino, probably because it's, you know, is there like a movie called Constantine or there something? Is. Yeah. There is. So I think that's probably, uh, yeah. And I, and I know there's no N in there. Like, it's as clear as day on your Facebook profile. I mean, we've been friends for like three or four years and I like still do it. My uncle actually spelled his name Constantino on Facebook because everyone spelled it wrong. So he's just like, hey, I can't beat him, join yeah. him. Yeah. Well, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dan. Where'd you grow up? What was the childhood like? City boy from Pittsburgh. Um, Started out in the north side. Parents got divorced when I was six years old. And uh, so we lived between north side and Westwood, which was between West End and and Green Tree and and Elliott and all that stuff. Um, So yeah, went to city schools. And I look back now being, I'm completely suburbanized. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I look back. You guys should check like, out the YouTube. Of, if you guys should watch this on video and just check out Mr. Mr. Dan here. He is definitely a suburban guy. And uh, so, yeah, just growing up in the city, it taught me so many lessons. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but uh, happy to be in the suburbs now. But, uh, but yeah, went through that. Um, you know, we, we could have. A week long conversation on the, on the childhood. And so, like, that, else. so when did your parents divorce? My parents divorced when I was five, six, six, six years old. All right, similar story. Yeah, did you so live with mom? Live with mom. Yep. See dad on the weekends? Every other weekend. You know, see him every once in a while. Other, otherwise, you'd come to some games and stuff like that. You have brothers baseball. and sisters? One brother, younger brother. Okay. How old? For how, how much younger, I guess? He's like uh, four years younger than me. Okay. So, yeah. kind of like not really hanging out with him all the time, but kind of. No, probably- it's. Probably when, uh, you know, I was the typical older brother that, you know, terrorized my, my younger brother. Is he, like, he's probably better for it, though, right now? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. Uh, it's it's something I'm actually, uh, you know, w- making sure I work on right now. Cause, there you go. Like, I, I pushed him away a lot, you know, in, in high school. Because being divorced, you know, you try to become, like, the, the patriarch or whatever. And we had some turbulent times in, in uh, middle school, high school with a stepdad that we had being a dying at oh, wow. when I was in college, but uh, from an overdose. So went wow. through some shit, obviously. But so there's some adversity there. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, trying to be that man of the house whenever you're immature is not necessarily a good recipe, especially when you're a little jerk kid from, from the city. You do, you do things that uh, you, I wouldn't do now. As, so when a you suburban dad, were you a fighter? No, no. P- Pittsburgh no. Public Schools, I mean, I bet you, like, you know. I, I got into a couple fights. I was not a fighter by any stretch. Yeah. I was. Like, I didn't think so. I was, I, like, 100 pounds wet, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I got uh, you. No, no. We, we almost got into a lot of fights um, for some. I mean, that's just what the city is. You know, middle school was crazy. It was the, I uh, went to Greenway, and it was, I always like to refer to it as the penitentiary because it was nuts. There were fights every single day. How old are you right now? I'm 43. So you're a couple years older than me. Did you smoke cigarettes in high school? 
No. My no, whole you family never, you, never try, you never tried a cigarette? Every house I grew up in, the walls were yellow from cigarettes. <laughs> I thought it was the most disgusting thing With in the wallpaper. world. Why was I going to do that? It's got that wallpaper that you're trying to peel off in one of these houses yeah. that you're trying to flip now. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I had asthma when I was younger. I'm fully convinced it was because I was inhaling smoke <laughs> for the, uh, you know, first 12 years of my life. I mean, it was it was nuts. So growing up in, a, in an environment like that. Um, Drank kinda, Mad Dog, though. Huh? Drank Mad Dog, though. Okay. That was, yeah. That was like the stuff. That, that you could, city, you yeah. could just, could you buy that stuff at the gas station? I forget. In Ohio, no, you no, could. No, in Ohio, you could. No, no, in Pennsylvania, no. they got weird beer and liquor laws, right? Yeah, it was terrible. Like you had to like, like you said to know someone. You had to, you had to know somebody older, right? Yeah, that hung out with high school kids. That's gotcha. So, um, what kind of um, education did your mom and dad have? Did they have? Did, did they go to college? Did they have good jobs? Like, yeah, they. Um, so. My mom had me when she was 17, so she dropped out of high school to have me. She, uh, I think she worked at, you're not from Pittsburgh. They no. might have had it, Children's Palace. Yes, this is like a toy store. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. yeah. She, she worked there for a little bit. And then she got a job at, at the Marriott in Green Tree where uh, my dad's mother, my grandmother, worked. She was a banquet bar, uh, I'm sorry, a banquet waitress. Um, little... Four foot eleven, five foot Italian lady, just carrying these big heavy trays of of uh, dinners and stuff like that. She worked there from the time it opened in nineteen seventy. She got my mom a job and she became a banquet bartender, and uh, she did that for most of of my life through um, through high school. My dad was a factory worker. He worked at um, Package Products, which which got bought by a big a big company. I went and worked with him when I was in uh, college during the summers. Yeah, good job. They did. They made yeah. cake boxes and and cake trays. You know those little corrugated mm-hmm. things. They made the circles. We used to take the the seconds like that that didn't get made and chipped. We'd take them to my friend's house at parties and we'd whip them around. So fair to say, they're both hard workers. Showed up every day. That know. was my biggest advantage in life. Yeah. I mean, we had we had trust me. We had uh, we have stories and we have trials and tribulations that I could you know have. Uh, chose a different path in life for sure. Um, I always use those things as kind of like, I don't want to end up like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a lot of people's story. Always, always had love from, from both. And, and, uh, the divorce part was, was definitely trying. I would, you know, when you're young at six years old, you're like, they're getting back together. Right. I mean, for, (laughs) for years that obviously was never going to happen. And, and really for the first 10 years, I think my, my mom referred to my dad as the dumb Dago and, and, yeah, uh, they never really talked well she about was each other. Yeah. No, I mean, she yeah. was, when they were divorced, she was 23. Like, it's so hard. I always thought she was old, you know. Yeah, I mean, just, my mom was 25. My dad was 23. Yeah, so it was it was, uh, it was was pretty interesting looking back on it. And then at some, time, at some point, they hit a, a period where they were both mature, and they, they co-parented very well. Like, my mom would have parties, and my dad would come over. Like, it was just cordial. Like, never, there was never any fling or anything like that. It just yeah. was, they were mature again. And, and one of the, th- the big things that my dad did, I always, uh, it took me a while, but I, I praised him for it. Like, when you're a, a kid, you test the parents, right? Oh, yeah, my and kid tests my, yeah. <laughs> and when one turns you down, you go to the other one. Right. And, like, I'm in, I'm in high school, I remember, and and uh, my mom did something. My mom is my favorite place in the world. She's, she's no longer with us, but... Um, I don't even remember what she turned me down for, but I remember going to my dad like, what a, you know, what a bitch, you know, he goes, you're not going to talk about your mother like that to me. And he was like, that's your mother. And, and, and he shut me down right away. And it, it, 
it showed me like, oh man, like I, I just, if I would go to my mom, she'd be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But, it was, and that was like, moms are more a, emotional. Yeah. Moms are more emotional. I think that's uh, something that happens. I know that I work on that with Sammy a lot. Um, Sammy will try to work both me and his mom and it's, uh, but you can tell, like, you know, I can spot it, you know, as a sales guy. I can literally spot it when he's trying to do something and it's like, and then I'm trying to figure out how to respond. And of course I always respond with like pretending like the Supreme court justice of the United States is standing there. You know what I mean? I'm just like trying to be as diplomatic as possible because it's hard. You know what I mean? And the, the, in kids it's, it's, you know, you have a couple kids at home and you know what it's like, even in the home, they're trying to put one against one parent against the other parent. Right. Well, when you're in two separate households, I mean, you can get away with a lot more, Oh yeah. you know, because there's not that like every day, it's not like we're talking every single day, you know? And it's like, you know, you and your wife can go to bed at night and and probably like, all right, what'd that kid say? What'd that kid say? And like, you guys can kind of, (laughs) you guys can team up against the kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. What, uh, what kind of aspirations and dreams did you have when you were in high school? Cause I know you went to college. Yeah. Um, I really did not know. I didn't so you're like really the rest have of much us. direction in, in high school. It's I was on the tennis team in City, which you, you have to visualize because this is the 1990s. Uh, I graduated in 96. I was, I think I graduated, I was like 130 pounds. I was wearing 36 size, those big 90s shorts. Yeah, down playing past tennis, your knees? Playing tennis. Sagging. Yeah. Everything. I had the braided, the leather belt. To hold them, do you have like the the white sweater on? Do you like cross it and like no, 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 like a country club style? No, we tried to look as close to Compton as we could. (laughs) It was it was ridiculous. What Uh, kind of tennis player were you? Like, how'd you rank out of all the kids? I was the city league was terrible. I was actually okay. It was terrible, or you were terrible. The whole the whole ecosystem. So everyone was so every time you played, I was okay. Destroyed because it was terrible. Gotcha. You know, but. Um, anyway, we, we had our wood shop coach for the first, you know, couple years. And then my senior year, we had the freshman counselor was new to the school. And again, he was the freshman counselor. Um, he took a liking to me, Paisan, you know, fellow Italian. And he's the one that said, I see something in you. You know, I just assumed I was going to CCAC. You're programmed in the city schools. <laughs> like that's your really only option. And that's what my my counselors were pretty much gearing me up for. If you didn't play like real sports like basketball and football, which our, our high school was really good at, um, I, I you know, yeah, you couldn't I hate afford to say you it. couldn't afford to go to Pitt, right? Or like any like is it was like is it kind of no, like we, that? Like we didn't Pitt's, have any money. We would have got a lot a, of grants. Pitt, I, I Pitt's not a it. dream, right? I mean, it's like Pitt. The, is Pitt the goal when you live in Pittsburgh or not? I. I I didn't even think that I could make it in a real college because you're just programmed that if you're in a city school, you, you're you're like not they don't good want you, they don't want you. It's not that they don't want you that you're not smart. Like you don't have the same uh, education as as the suburbs. I'm telling you, it's do you have to take like a in our school like there was always the SAT, but then we had this thing called the ACT. Did you guys take any of those? I never took the ACT. I took the SAT. What'd you get on the SAT? It's a ballpark. Now it's in the nearest hundred. Twelve hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a bright guy. Everyone, bright guy. Uh, like, it I was. Got... It was. It was decent. I was good in math. Yeah. In, uh, English language arts, whatever. I was not strong. I feel like we're like that similar. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. I literally got straight A's in English my senior year, only reading the Cliff's Notes. I did not read any book. I probably didn't read a book until. Maybe college, but probably after college. I didn't start reading books. So I read like Stephen King books when I was a kid because those were fun, right? And then 
you know, I didn't go to college. I mean, I went to college, but dropped out. Probably did the cliff. No- I did the cliff notes things or like I could like get by on typing stuff after reading a couple chapters or something. Never read a whole book cover to cover. Mm, nope. Didn't start reading until about three years ago when I was stuck in business and I was just like getting really frustrated. I read a book called Legacy by James Kerr. And when I read that book, it, I was super like just I wanted to get something out of it. So like. I read it and I got a bunch out of it. And then I just started going on the book journey. I feel like I've read 40 or 50 books since. Yeah. Because I wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. because there was a little passion there. And because then, like, oh, I had a reason to actually read a book and it made sense. Um, so that's that's interesting. So tell me about college life. Where'd you go to college? Went to Robert Morris. My my uh, tennis coach pushed me to, to Robert Morris because he knew someone. Um, I was so scared my first year of not succeeding. And now I look back, I always had that drive. Um, but it, it is a lot of times driven from a fear of failure. Um, oh, yeah. I got, I think my first semester I got a 3.7 and I'm like, okay, I do belong. You know, and that was like, it, it kind of clicked that, you know, I can do this. Then so, the confidence yeah. started building up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then I got involved in the, the rowing team and that was probably the best thing for me. Cause I really learned to get that drive and then mirror it with work ethic. Cause uh, we had a, tyrant of a coach so what makes you join the rowing team because like where i grew up i thought it was easy where i grew up you know we didn't have (laughs) rivers and stuff like that i remember being at the home and garden show one year and i would look outside the convention center and i'd see on the river i'd see these these big old canoes with like five or six people in it i'm like thinking like I mean, I remember seeing that. I think is that an, there's an Olympic sport with rowing, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I remember seeing like the Olympic games. I remember seeing rowing. I'm thinking like, how does anybody ever get into rowing? And here I look outside the convention center, look down at the three rivers, and there's people rowing. And I remember one time being on um, what's that place over by uh, Washington's Landing? There's a, a little bar restaurant. Um, uh, Red Redfin Blues, yep. and I would sit out there in patio, and then I would see like these rowers come, and I would there would be like some coach like on like a like a like on another boat or something yeah, like with a, a PA yep. with like a, with a PA speaker or yep. something yeah. like just, just yelling at, <laughs> yelling at yeah. you. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so interesting. You know, the other thing about Pittsburgh that I didn't have was um, hockey. You know, we didn't have hockey in Canton, Ohio. Like, yep. I mean, maybe, maybe they did, but I, I didn't know where it was at. So how did you like get into rowing? Was there another buddy of yours that was in a rowing? Like, how do you just say, Oh, I want to be a rower. I was looking for something to do. And, and honestly, I thought it was easy. And then you get up, yeah, you, you just get out there. You just go oh like my this, gosh. Right? It is so hard. We had football players that would come work out because they, you know, conditioning, there's nothing really better. And uh, the coaches would send them over to the, the rowing coach, which was, she was like a five foot two woman. She used to be a gymnast. And then she was uh, both, she almost made the Olympics in um, gymnastics and rowing. So she was a badass, to be honest. And um, like football players would come over and they would work out. I mean, you, if you work out, hard with like the way she wants you to like you're gonna puke like no doubt so that's it was no, really that's hard. no fun in a boat now did you guys always have to practice where do you practice that do you just practice on the river all the time we would you- go down washington's landing for the first couple of years then she built a uh boathouse out in coriopolis okay like and off neville we- island or something yep. like that yep. out that way yep and then uh so you're always a lot of it was indoor a lot of it was indoor so there's the like simulation stuff that you can do i'm assuming the rowing machine yeah, rowing machine, and and I'm serious. Like you had trash cans near you because, like the way you do the interval training. Was that boring? Like, like that part of it boring? Like being inside like that in a simulated there was nothing environment? Boring. It was hard. Dude. Well, I know it was hard, but like because like nothing's moving around you. Like like was it hard to get into it? Like it's like almost like riding a. It's like a, riding a bicycle a, or doing a treadmill. Like I mean, there's got to be something different about treadmill versus like actually going out jogging, right? Yeah, I'm I mean, not a workout guy, but I'm assuming that like it's uh, no like we have a rowing machine in my house. 
my wife wanted one because she was a rower. That's where I met her. Oh. And uh, long story short, I stayed off that thing for for years just because I didn't want to go back to that. You don't want to be triggered. Part. Yeah. So I did get on it. I, I still work out on it now. But uh, but yeah, it's it's hard. It's it, it can be boring, long, steady state stuff. I'll turn the lights off sometimes and just listen to music and just go to the beat. That's cool. Yeah. So what um, what did you study in school? What did you graduate with? What, what did you want to do? So marketing. I wanted to be more in the creative stuff, like um, making uh, commercials and things like that. And, yeah, that's know, cool. Kind of never never, never went down that path. I mean, I, I am very interested in that. I love the creative stuff. Um, but I found sales. Um, I had a sales class in college. And then I got an internship with a Fortune 500 company, actually um, not too far from where you grew up, uh, Roadway Express in Akron. Okay. And um, that was in sales and in yeah. That now, was, was that like more business to business type sales? Yeah. All, yeah. We went to companies in these industrial parks. That's what we cased, man. We went for distributors and manufacturers. And uh, yeah. So you were more like, so you'd get an account and then you would service the account, right? Yep. So it wasn't like hardcore. It wasn't like hardcore sales. It wasn't like you had to go in and like, you know, no, it's not it like was, car sales no, or like, no, you no, know, no. in home sales. It was relationships. Like, you know, this is, you know, this is early 2000s. So no one had funnels back then or anything like that. You know, it was, it was Mr. relationships. Mr. Brunson was still a young no, kid we diapers were still, probably. We, they, they, uh, promote, they wanted you to go out and entertain people. So my job in college was to set up, you know, appointments and stuff like that for the territory salespeople. When I graduated, they put me as a prospecting rep. So I went and I was supposed to knock on 20 doors and try to get appointments and turn them into warm leads for the territory reps. That lasted three months. A territory opened up in Washington, PA, and then I, I took that. And um, But, I mean, I would go on entertainments and things like that, and it just was a new world to me altogether. So you I, got right into that corporate world and kind of just fit right in. Yep. And, and did you have any mentors during that time? Like, uh, I, I mean, did my my boss was he's still my mentor today. Like I mean, we, what's his we, name? Uh, John John Evans. John Evans. Yeah, Big yeah. shout out to John Evans out there. Yeah, if you're he's, listening. He uh, he he said when when I got my job, my first job, he was like, "You will put fifteen percent in your four hundred one k." He's like, "That's not an option." Well, because you'll never miss it because you, you never made this money. You sound like me now. I was uh, so when we started a four hundred one k here at Big Fish, um, we have a kid here, a kid, kid. I call him a kid because he's like twenty two years old, and I'm like forty, so I feel like I'm old enough to be his dad. And I said, "Buddy, I said when we do this, I said you need to max that thing out." I said because you'll never notice it gone if you do it right away. Yep. And he's been doing that, and I don't know. He's got like, I feel like fifteen, twenty grand already in like a year and a half, two years. I mean, like, there's thirty year old kids that don't have that. Well, that's what I'm saying, and like, I, and I keep. I keep like giving him the dad advice, you know what I mean? Because I'm thinking like, man, I, and people gave that advice to me when I was a kid. I just never took it, you know what I mean? So like, I'm, then I'm thinking, I was like, Tommy, also don't like just hear like this old guy saying this to you, and then not go do it, and then buy a bunch of beer and pizza and you know video games. I said because that's what I did, unfortunately, because I heard all that stuff. I went out, bought new cars, and was trying to impress people. And but that's important, man. So it sounded like you had a good head on your shoulders early. Yeah, I mean, again, fear of failure. You know, I mean, I had my chance. I had a company car right out of college. What um, kind of car? It was a Dodge Intrepid Gold. Yeah, there you it go. Was a, it was a hand-me-down. I remember those broke, Intrepids. Uh, you know, when I, it's it's funny. I just I just uh, wrote a post a couple of weeks ago about the mailbox. I don't know if you saw that one, but they took me on an, uh, a golf trip. You know, with with clients to Treesdale Country Club. All right. That thing is not far from where I grew up. 
and I had never seen that many nice houses in my life. I could not believe that there were that many. It's nice like houses. the Beverly Hills of Pittsburgh, man. I could not understand it, and I'm 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 sitting there with a complex, pissed off, and I'm like, I don't even I don't know what these people do. There's no way they're all doctors and lawyers, right? So I was like, they should have to have a label on their mailbox, a little plaque. I did see that. I did see that. It did something I still carry with me like all the time because that's where I go back to high school. What did you want to be? I didn't know like the most successful person in my life was my grandfather. He was a mid-level manager at Bell Telephone that got by, you know, bought by Verizon. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anyone that, that was. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, like you don't even know. There's what's literally out there. no examples. No, and when you're in, in school, like they give you like, oh, attorney, doctor, architect, engineer. But like, that's for other people. Yeah, I'm telling like, you, that's the mindset. Yeah, and it's like once you realize that that's not you, because I'm like, I ain't going to school for that. Like, I don't even want to touch like naked people on an operating bed, and I don't want to stand in a courtroom all day arguing. That sounds miserable. Yeah. All right, now what am I going to do with my life? It's uh, I found sales too, and then sales was exciting, right? Like it's just you can kind of do what you want. You can kind of like you know make your own little way. Still have a little structure, right? Mm-hmm. So you did that for a while. Um, how? Like, what's the career path from like there to like you know like what you, what you've been doing the last few years? Because sure. I know you've you, you were in corporate America for a while, right? Yeah, uh, about oh, I think oh seventeen years. I did five years at Roadway and I came to my boss, you know, John Evans, and I went in the, the office and I had like tears in my eyes because I knew I was quitting. And uh, why'd you want to quit? Um, I got an opportunity with a smaller company that I knew I could, it was more commission based as were opposed you, to a quota based. Were you looking or did they approach you? Um, I was at a networking event and someone approached me and said, hey, you know, got those wheels turning. this compensation package. I'm like, holy crap. So I went to him, I said, look, you know, I forget, I was 24. Five maybe. I said I want to make a hundred thousand dollars by the time I'm thirty. That was a magic number. When it we was, were that kids. was the magic yeah. magic number. And he goes, he just shook his head. He goes, well, he's like, you, you know, you're doing good, but that, that's going to be hard to do because he had it in his head. He grew up pretty close, you know, same same, same right, yeah. upbringing. And he, yeah. so he, he had a, that limiting belief for him. He was already making six digits, but you know, for me coming right out the gate at 25, like he was, you know, he was, I think he couldn't figure out how to get you there. Um, not within that structure. And that's all he knew. And that was the best structure ever because they had a pension and everything. And that has all since gone away. Um, but he had a good life. But what I wanted was probably a little too soon. I hadn't earned it yet. So it took me probably two, maybe three years at the new company. And I sent him my W-2 and, and, I don't think he said much, to be honest. I still throw it in his face every once in a while. He's proud of you, though, man. No, no, certainly. That's awesome. Yeah. He was my first first private lender in real estate. Did you, um, when you made that 100 grand, like this whole journey, like what's your mom and dad saying? Because, you know, that mom and dads, they don't like, you know, kids switching jobs, you know, because that's like taboo. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, like you've only been there a couple of years. Like you got to stay there for 40 years. Yep, yep. Uh, I had made, I think the year before I made, the six digit mark, it was, I think I was like 98 K and my mom was like, man, you almost made it. And <laughs> she did it in a good way. She was proud of me, but she was also like, she, she always drove me by saying, I know you can do better. It wasn't, ne- it was never, um, disappointment. It was like, I know you got more in you. And that, that, that's good. You know, looking back. I so mean, when you was, went to switch jobs, like if you, you know, when you went to switch jobs, was she like on board, total support? Yeah. Yeah. She, she knew, yeah, yeah, she was fine with it. Yep. So what'd you do after after that? Yeah, so I went to uh, freight forwarder, had great career um, there, 
you know, that's where I got my first stint in operations. I had to run the station and, and we turned around. So no like, more sales. No, no, no. I did both. So you were doing sales uh, and ops. Dude, I, it was the best thing for me. I'd go sell during the day and, and have my operations crew run it. And it, at night I had to make sure that stuff, you know, they could execute, done. right? Yeah. yeah. So Cause when I was delivering at night, you know, I was selling in a day. It was, I saw the whole ecosystem, right? So it was, I did very well. I uh, had a good, good stint there. Did that for five years. Then I got a chance to open up a new division with my original mentor, John Evans. I pushed him into going to this company uh, based in uh, not too far from me, Rochester, actually, okay. uh, in Beaver County. And um, yeah, we started up a new division that did what, you know, it was a third party logistics. Company. And you recruited John. He told me about it. Oh, he and told I you goad him into it. And I said, we'll go as a team. We'll do it together. We'll open up this division. And I said, do you know what money you can make? Because he was still stuck in that like low 100s range. And I, you know, I called him a bitch and everything else. And, and uh, he thanks me to this day because he is. You got like, him out of his comfort zone. I got him out of his comfort zone. And, and, and you're uh, like 20 years younger. Some really cool things together. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. he's in his early 60s, late 50s or something. Yeah, he's in his 50s. He's probably 15 or so. That's cool, though, man. That's awesome. So we went. We did some really cool stuff there. We had a great time. That was we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a little bit, you know, toxic of a company. I was there seven and a half years because of a non-compete. And uh, that's a that's a whole nother story. But learned a lot of things. We did a lot of great things. We we killed the travel and expense. Like, we, we traveled and entertained like you would not believe. I mean, we used to compete on it, on how much we could spend. And what's the bosses, like, in an environment like that? Like, do they give you a budget? Do they, like, you know, like, how they do you know how, do you you know how hard to... They wanted you to entertain as much as possible. So, like, literally, like, it's like an unlimited credit card. You can just, like, you, pretty, you can go wherever you want. I mean, unlimited. What's the best, point. what's the best, most fun trip that you, like, you had to pinch yourself. You're like, I can't believe I get to do this. Like, I get paid oh, and I get to go, like, blow. The Ryder Cup was one of the funnest things. We That's went to the cool. Ryder Cup. We took clients to the Ryder Cup. Um, we did, oh, the, the, um, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, the Georgia Florida game down in Jacksonville. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? No. Oh, oh you know what? I think insane. I actually have, but like, it's yeah, it's a, a neutral college football site. thing, It's right? one of those neutral site games they yep. do every year. And it is, it's like the Super Bowl for, for college. I mean, it's nuts. And they do it every year. And it was, uh, you know, all Southern girls, you know, uh, sundresses and cowboy boots. I mean, like, C, uh, CSX, the train company, had 12 cars lined up, like passenger cars. And each one was a different theme. Okay. And like, so it, they, really it was just, they went all out. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, we did stuff like you that. Know, all all kinds of cool we, stuff. Yeah. I would go to penguin games. I mean, I saw one, at least one game in every series of like the, the, the penguins cup runs. Wow. That's awesome. when did you meet your wife? You met your wife in college. when did you guys get married during this time? Like I'm assuming, right? Yeah. I got married when I was 25. Wow. I had a uh, Bella, Sweet. Bella when I was like, um, 30. Yeah, we moved in together. What your What'd your wife do during this time? She was in recruiting for a while. Like okay, HR. She was an HR major. She did recruiting for Aerotech. They're a large staffing company. And then she's been working at UPMC for the last sixteen years or something. I'm afraid of your wife, by the way. I, I'm afraid of my wife. Yeah, she, yeah. I'll never. I'll never forget. We went to dinner. 
And she was telling me about those things that she does where she like gets blindfolded or something and then, and then like has to kick, like has to like fight her way out of a situation. I'm thinking like. And she loves fighting. I know. Like she's like, like, yeah, she's a bad, bad woman. Like I'm afraid of her. She's she's taking boxing classes now because Bella is. Yeah, I see that. I, I love watching that on, on social media and stuff yeah. like that. And she's going, I know for yeah, I shouldn't say that, but she says she's put not it out fight. there. I'm put pre- it out there in the ether right now, I'm man. I'm pretty sure on this she's podcast. There you I'm go. pretty sure she's gonna she's gonna end up fighting. Like like boxing, your wife. Yeah, like in like ma- like real matches, I like for so. prize money and like stuff like nah, that. No prize money, but yeah. Well, come amateur, on, man. Can we bet, can we bet on her? Yeah. What the hell? Heck yeah, man. Let's I'm not betting against her. I'll tell you that. So you worked at that company for seven and a half years. You were doing all kinds of fun stuff. That's taking- when I got my start in real estate. And then, and then you do, again, that whole drive where like, you always want something more, right? What, what was your job not giving you that you thought, oh man, I want to get into real estate and, and start tinkering with that? Yeah, I was the top, the first or second sales rep in the company and they kept messing with my commissions. Oh, they always do, right? Yep. Yep. Because so. they're trying to optimize to try to get you consistently going after new business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. that's, 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 the they don't want you just to sit back and coast and then, you know get into real estate and just, you know, try to do both at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, anyway, we went to a success conference, you know, Zig Ziglar's son was there and that's oh, lo- love Zig Ziglar. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, that's when I start looking into alternative ways to make money side hustles. So I started investing in stocks and options. I'm too emotional for that. I suck at that. Um, and I also started, re- I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was interested in real estate. Check out right behind you, buddy. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, one of my business partners is literally reading that right now. He's like, I can't believe I didn't read this before. He's like, it's it's freaking me out. That's, that's the you know, the book that changed my life. I mean, I just never thought that way. And uh, I think most real estate investors got started by that book. But um, it changed my life, and I started doing looking for houses and and I said I'll flip a house or two and make an extra 100 grand a year is what what my goal was and then I found some deals that were made rentals and it, it just uh, that hundred grand that hundred grand regardless of what you're making at your job now it's like okay now I want to make a hundred grand in something else but like that hundred grand is like burnt into our minds yeah was that the Amer- that must have been the American dream that they've been selling us for the last 20 30 years it, it was and now like I'm trying to break myself out of that to only think you know yeah and like a million's not even that much anymore nope. i mean the way inflation's going i mean as as we record this podcast i mean i feel like i just had i have i use premium in the one car that i have and it was like you know it's like insane five dollars a gallon I, like, in my truck i use 87 and, and it's yeah i use 87 in my truck too that's why i like my truck yeah <laughs> the hellcat though not so much i got my trx coming well you got Did all you see that no it has a hellcat engine the Ram TRX. Oh, the truck. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. It's only 702 horsepower. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Why is it not 707? I don't know, man. That's interesting. If it's Benny's, it's 707. That's, that's another podcast. Yeah. It's, but uh, but yeah, that's coming. It's uh, It'll be on the truck. So I you started getting pretty. into real estate. How did you go? Did, here. So what I know from back in the day when these people would t- attend these seminars, everybody was trying to sell a course. It's a free seminar. It was a free seminar free you seminar. went to. Did they try to sell you something at the end? I Paid twenty seven grand for it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It so was actually Rich Dad's Robert program. Ke- yeah, it sucked too. I'm not lying. <laughs> a lot. It was terrible. But I uh, argued with him. I got like seven grand back. But it got me in the game. Hindsight's twenty twenty, though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, you put that money up, and then you learn a lot faster, right? You pay for speed. I I've done, you know, probably multiple. Definitely over six digits. You know, over a hundred thousand in in self development. It might be over two at this point. 
Dude, you spent that last two years just in Apex. What are you talking about? Uh, Come on, man. Potentially. And the, I mean, and the traveling? And the traveling? The traveling. I don't count the traveling. Okay. But. Well, I mean, like, it's... I bought a house down there. <laughs> yeah, which was probably, what, three, 400000 Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So just stop talking about it's just over six digits. It's way <laughs> over six digits. He's so modest, people. It's changed my He's life. He's so though. modest. It's changed my life. He's went all in on the self-development. I mean, but you, I, I would like to tell people, you got to be careful on what programs you pick because that $27,000 program was all about the name. And all they would do is tell you to join your local RIA group, your real estate investment association, uh, call your CPA, but call with, your lawyer. But I'd like to fight back and I'm as a brand guy and as like, like somebody like him that built his name up to like, you know, you trusted him enough to go to his seminar. Yep. You then obviously trusted him enough to swipe your credit card for 27000 It got you in the game. It got you where to be. Like, And it's going to make you millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars over the next 20 years. It did for me, but 90 Well, that's because you got to put the work in. Well, but I'm, I'm trying to give people a shortcut. Join your local RIA groups. Okay. Every market we has got one. We got a hack right now. This is what they call a hack for yeah. you real estate investors. Join your local real estate investment association. They will bring gurus whatever you want to call them, experts yeah. that you can do boot camps. They're typically like $1,000, $2,000, Go do those things first before you drop twenty-seven yeah. grand. And talk to guys like you because I tell you what, you are a plethora of knowledge. I I remember when I first met you, I was fascinated by the real estate world because I don't really you know understand it because I'm really focusing on my contracting business. But you've always been, you, you literally answer any question I've ever asked. Yeah. And I always like to tell people, don't just go to someone and think that they're just going to give, give, give you knowledge because they don't know what you even want. You have to ask really good questions and mm -hmm. you have to be like, and then you have to be persistent and then you actually have to go do a little bit of the work and then you got to come back, ask for some more. But if you just ask enough questions, I mean, you can get all the answers that you want without having to pay a hundred thousand dollars for a course or 20,000 for a course or 5,000 for a course. Yep. So that's really good advice. Um, I, do, I do know because I'm friends with uh, Josh Adamick, and uh, he got me to go to one of those meetings one time. Mm -hmm. um, and John Burley, um, I yeah. guess, was a guest there. And, um, you know, he's a big name, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is cool. I mean, you can get access to, like, you know, this types of people. And then with social media, all you got to do is follow a few of them. I mean, they put out content literally every single day. And if you just take all the content and put it all together, I feel like that's the course. There's, there's, there's no a, question about it. People like it packaged, though. Like, I, I don't want to go. I could go on YouTube and learn from a specific person and get the game. Like, but it, there's something about having it all packaged. Oh, yeah. Um, so, it's, again, it's I'm easier. paying for speed, especially if I've now I want access to them so that I can, you know, give specific details and say, is this good or bad? So, so your wife was on board, right? I'm assuming the whole time. Was there any, tell me about any of those struggles or adversities. Like when like you're off in the corporate world, she's doing her thing. You know, you guys are having, making babies. So all of a sudden you're like, Hey man, I'm paying $27,000 for a course. I mean, that's a big bill. I mean, like, did you talk to her about that? Uh, or did you after. Just, yeah. Well, cause you'd had 30 days to pay the bill back. So you knowing you, you probably thought, Oh, I'm going to figure out how to flip this around real quick. I got a plan to pay this back. I think I called her. I don't know. She, she, she lets me do whatever I want. That's and good. She, even if she questions it, you know, but uh, you got a good track record. Her dad was, uh, well, not at that point, you know, I had, I was unproven, but Did you make any bad financial decisions up until that $27,000 investment. 
No, no, no. So that's what I mean. So like you, you know, you had a good track record. That's a good track record. I mean, yeah. you didn't blow all the money. No, you weren't, you weren't yeah, you weren't yeah. out gambling away. You weren't drinking. You weren't out buying a bunch of cars back then, right? Were you? No. Maybe you were. I don't no, know. No, no, no. I know you like I cars was now. A company car. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't even. I never understood the whole car thing until my neighbor gave me his uh, M4 and let me drive, and I was like, oh, yeah. Now I get it. But um, no. At the end of the day, uh, her dad was a home builder. So she was familiar with real estate to a decent degree. So I think she was comfortable with me, with me going in that direction. But um, I mean, I, I did you have any circle of friends in Pittsburgh? Like, did he help you a little bit? Did you like bounce ideas off of these people or like, no, he, he, he helped me finish my basement. That was what gave me some confidence. It took me two years, but it gave me some confidence that I knew enough about enough about the trades that I could manage some contract. What year was that when you did your basement? I can't remember now. I don't know. Like 13 years ago. 13 years ago. So yeah. when did you get your first, after you paid the $27,000 for the course, when did you like dip your toes into the water? How soon after that? Uh, I was within a year. It was 2013. And what'd you buy? A foreclosure in Dormont. Foreclosure in Dormont. How'd you find it? That was a realtor on, it was on the MLS. You could find deals on the MLS back then pretty easily. So looking for foreclosures, bought a, I think it was like 40, you know, around 40,000. How'd you find, how'd you pay for it? Did you pay cash? Did you get a loan? Did I you... had a home equity line of credit. I could do the whole project. So you used the home equity inside your house that, yeah. that you had at your personal establishment. How much did you extract out the 40 plus the, 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 plus the rehab? The I could do the whole project. Yeah. We had, I don't know, it was like 120,000. So you, you basically left. invested in yourself, put it all up. You know, you, at the worst case scenario, you know, you're obviously just going to be able to sell the house for like whatever. Yeah. You might not make money, but you're not going to like lose a ton, right? Yep. So tell me about that deal. That was a great, that's, this is a great story, especially if you're ever looking to get into a deal, right? I almost, I almost walked away from five grand earnest money deposit the day before. And uh, I had it, my stepdad at the time was, I mean, he did contracting. He helped me. He was the main person that helped me finish my basement and everything. He was one of those jack of all trades. He built the house that my mom, you know, mom and he lived in. I lived in there for a couple of years after college. So he knew a lot. I was trying to do it on my own. I didn't get him involved. Yeah. And and I'm like cold feet the week before because there was a, there's a crack in the foundation that, that, you know, I wasn't sure how to address. I'm like, am I going to be able to sell this? And I had all these these uh, imposter syndrome and, and, and doubts coming into my my head. So I, I said, look, I'm going to walk away from this deal unless you come in and tell me, am I crazy on my rehab costs or not? So he came over. I didn't even tell him what my repair costs were because I had been studying. You know, I felt I did every I followed all the steps, but I was just getting scared. So he came over. I said, I'm not telling you what the repair costs are that I'm estimating. I want to know what you think. And we were within like five grand. And he asked me one question. We're standing on the porch. I'll never forget it. It's like dark out at this point. He goes, what's your worst case scenario? I'm like, I'll, probably, I'll break even. He goes, well, then there's no question. As soon as I said that out loud, yeah. I knew what well, the Because you're was. learning and you're breaking even. Yeah, he I said mean, the education. Tuition be, dollars. Yeah, even if you break even, the education will be worth you know so much more. I end up making $27,000. How much work did it need? Um... It needed a new, new bath, new kitchen, and some you know plaster work and cosmetics. We painted the outside. Some yeah, I think the windows were fine, and a lot of landscaping. So it was not bad. I think I, I put in like forty or forty five. Did you do any of the work yourself? Zero. So you hired everybody to do. I it. had one jet, like one small contractor, two man crew, 
and they did everything. They did everything, even the landscape. Except the, except the landscape. They didn't no, do it, and you hired did. another company yeah. for the landscape. And, and the exterior painting, I hired a painter. And how was the dealing with contractors? Can be like that's a whole other show that we could do, right? I'm a contractor, you're a contractor. Like that's that's crazy in itself. But that one, okay. I mean, like that process. It was a, it was mean, a little, you know. Looking back on it, it's one of those people I probably wouldn't work with now. Yeah, but you learn from it, right? But, yeah. but he was good for me then. But you didn't get totally cheap. You didn't get screwed, though. He was cheap. No, yeah. you never know. Right. We actually worked pretty well together. But he, you know, he's one of those guys that didn't want to get workers' comp and yeah, cutting you know, corners. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and yeah, he 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 would do some corner cutting. Yeah, and you you come home in the evening, you come check the house out, and you're probably like. Scratching your head, like, why? Like, why did you do that? <laughs> the work was actually pretty good. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I hired a guy one time to do my bathroom one time, like, when I was on my first house. And I'd come home, and I'd see, like, the lions, and I'm, they, they were, like, a little crooked. And I'm thinking, like, how did you knowingly make that like that and yeah. just keep going? Yeah. <laughs> like, why not just rip it out and start over? Like, why did you put it all in? And you can see, like, you know, tile's hard, right? Like, if you don't do it, this guy said he did tile. And I'm like... Bro, it looked like Ray Charles did it. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. No, that one turned out well. Close to close, it was 91 days. So 91 days, 27K clear. Yep. So you got all your home equity paid back. You got 27 grand now. What do you do next? And this is while you're still working, right? At your at your at your day job, like taking yeah. out clients and yeah. whining and dining and living the good life. Yeah. I was doing well, man. I was like, this is gonna be awesome. You know, I'm going to be able to do this and just, I just wanted to flip homes. Well, you take point. that times four, right? Cause there's four quarters in a year, man. You're like, oh, there's my hundred grand. Yep. You're like above, man. I you're had like, a clear picture of what yeah, I Yeah, like 108,000 right there. If you just keep doing that over yep. and over and over again. Then I start, then I got into my second flip. I did that one in my, in my self-directed IRA, which was a pain in the ass. Tell me about how that works for the people at home that are listening right now. Yeah. So I rolled over for my first job, that roadway express job. I had a 401k. I just, yeah, that 15% you kept chucking yeah, in, right? You probably yeah. had a big account. Yep. I ended up rolling rolling that over to um, a self-directed IRA. What does that mean? Um, instead of putting it with like TD Ameritrade or Schwab where they just invested in yeah. mutual funds and stuff like that, you have, you're locked into what you can invest in. Mm -hmm. um, you can literally switch it over to a custodian uh, that will allow you to, you're not borrowing the money, you're investing the money in passive assets, right? So you, you can do flips, you just can't do any of the work. You can do rentals. You can't do any of the work, and I don't think you're supposed to manage it. I don't do. So rentals. it's just a business. So like, but who's the custodian? This was Equity Trust. They're in uh, Westlake, Ohio. So then Equity Trust, and you go to Equity Trust is like Dan, like from like X Company LLC, and yep. you say, hey, you have to do a direction of investment. You tell them what you're investing in, and they have to approve it. Yeah. So as long as they're on board, is it like a, now how regulated is that company? Or is it like a good old boy system? Like the, reason, they have a buddy? the reason I like equity trust and I don't get an affiliate off them or anything like that. They are hard to get the money out of. Is, does that make sense? So like they make, they, 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 make, they make sure that you're doing a good deal. Like if I said, Hey, I'm going to do a promissory note to my brother. They're like, you can't, you can't, that's a disqualified transaction. It'll, so it'll it isn't like some buddy, buddy it's a prohibited transaction. It'll you can't wine and dine them for like for approvals. Nope. Gotcha. Nope. Now so is that you, how they all are? Or is no, that just no, that? No, no, so no, there's no. good companies and bad companies. It depends on how you phrase that. I also have a checkbook IRA. So that's a different setup altogether. There's no regulate. Like I know what I'm doing. So I'm comfortable having that. And you're allowed to do that with the tax laws that the IRA, because the IRA gives you tax well, benefits, they, correct? It, it, hey, you get the, 
the rope long enough to hang yourself, right? So I don't, I only do. I guess it's your own money, right? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it's your own money. So I've done different deals in, in that one, right? So that gives me speed, right? Because I it might take me a week to get the money out of equity trust. With the checkbook, I could write you a check today if you had an investment. I just did a, um, I just invested in a, in a fund with the guy that I did that real estate training with in, in Apex last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's doing a fund. I just put, you know, a self-directed IRA. That's a Roth self-directed. And then I've invested in uh, uh, Everbowl, which is an Acai Bowl yeah. uh, franchise yeah. deal. And I did. Is Everbowl the um, the one that Fleischman's in? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love Dan Fleischman, yeah. by the way. Uh, he's, when I realized that somehow you were connected with him, because uh, I've, I've known who he's he has been for like a while. Um, I feel like I knew him from like Gary V. I don't know if they did something together or something back in the day, but... So interesting. The way he processes uh, and explains complicated. He's like Simon Sinek of like investing in business. It's so simple. Yes. He, he literally does it with his little emojis, you know, bullet points of yeah. emojis. And he explains things and breaks them down in such a consumable way that anyone can really. Ex- he gives the game away all the time. He does those free elevator nights. We, we need to go to one of those. I want to go. I, I, listen, I wanted to go to that one in Miami. Do you think when he responds, that's his executive assistant responding, or do you think that's actually him that responds on like Facebook and stuff? I think it's him. I think it's him too, because he actually communicates with me, and I'm like, wow, dude, this is cool, because yeah. I'm in the NFTs, he's in NFTs, like, and I'm just, I don't know, I keep dipping my toes in with him a little bit, get, and he's he like gets, really cool. He gets first action on everything, man. Yeah, well, because he's guys. like a, he's a, he's the early adopter. He's like an early, I thought I was an early adopter. Those guys are like, but you know what he the said? Early, early one adopters. of the things I, I, I made a comment on his um, one post, and I said, you're in all these cool things. Like, how risky are you getting? What's your tolerance? And he, I, I forget what his actual percentages are. It might be 40 safe, 40, you know, moderate, and then. 20 moonshots yeah. or it's, it's yeah. somewhere around that. It was maybe 10% moonshots. Right. But that's all you investment. need. Cause that stuff's low price to begin with. Yep. I mean, there's all upside. Yeah. But it was like, you think he's in all, he is in all these cool things, but no one, no one pays attention to the boring stuff. So that's no. why your mind then automatically goes, man, he's always doing all the risky stuff, Yeah, but the dude's worth probably a hundred million dollars or something like that. So, I mean, like, again, even if he's doing 10%, he's got 10, that's still more than all the rest of us got, you know, to like play with. My partner on this uh, last training, his name's Branding Brittingham. He's he runs a huge real estate team. He's number one in like the Maryland, De- Delaware area. I think number five in the nation. Right, pretty doing pretty well and successful. He said that he was at that elevator night in Miami. Right. Yeah, he I saw that. Flew yeah. on the private jet with Ryan. Everything. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know who he was talking about. I it might have been Dan. He's he's like this dude became a billionaire because he lost his key to his wallet. And had just had Ethereum in it. And because he wasn't going through the emotions of buying and selling and all that stuff, he forgot about it. It had grown so much it, when he finally found his key. It was in the billions. Yeah, I got lots of crypto stories from back in the day. I'm not really proud of. But let's get back <laughs> to this real estate thing. So you did that house in Dormont. So yes. And then what? You did a couple more. You did. You, you were using all your own money through IRAs, yep. retirement funds. And, yep. And would you just go one at a time, or when did you finally start doing? When did you get like to two at a time? Uh, probably by the end of the first year. So I then started you started hot and heavy. And so how are you finding deals? And you were still using dude, your own money, correct? Yeah, I'd go out. Yeah, I'm in outside sales. So I'd go out during the day and look at houses. I'd go at night. Gotcha. Weekends, I I was all on it. I was hawking them. Any free time I got between calls, I'd go to an industrial park, hit as many people as I could, and I'd go look at houses. So and you started that in 2013 time. was your first one, right? Yeah. And when did you finally quit your job? 
the end of 2018. 2018. So for five years. Did side hustle. And it was always buying and flips or did you ever hold and rent? I had 30 units by the end of 2018. That you were renting then? Yep. Okay. So you used the flips to make money and then every once in a while you'd buy one to rent it out, right? Yep. And then get that income coming in, right? Yep. And then what's your strategy like back in that those days like with the income? Like is it just they're kind of like pay down the loan? Is it like are you actually making money? Are you doing anything with that money? Are you leaving it in the, in the, in the, the corporation or whatever you call it? reinvesting you know you see all those posts what do i do i got 20 grand liquid right 50 grand liquid. yeah what do i invest in right so if you're in real estate like i don't go buy a cheap house right i keep that money and i borrow money private money hard money whatever you have and get the deal funded because you're going to need that 50 grand for budget overruns and float money i don't care what anyone says you in most scenarios, you need money to flip houses, even if you're borrowing, because typically lenders are not going to front you the rehab money before the work's done because people will just rob you. Um, so I am a hard money lender now, so I, I don't give all the rehab money up front, right? So you need that, that 25 to 50 grand liquid so you can cover closing costs because I, I cover up to 100% of purchase price, but you've got to cover the closing costs. You've got to cover my fees. You've got to have some skin in the game. And then the rehab, you got to front the first, whatever, 10, 15, 20, whenever, however you want to do it on the draw schedule. Yeah, you put deposits down with contractors, then, buy materials. Yeah. So you're doing that because there's no value in there. Once the value is right. in there, then I reimburse you. So you need that money to do that. So, and this is so your that's first... What I, that's what I used my cash for. And then I kept scaling using private and, and hard money. Tell me about the best, the, the most, um, I don't know, the, the best learning lesson that you had, because you, this is the first time that you've ever actually like been a business person, right? Like where you had to like manage your own money and it was like, there, it was serious. It's on the line, right? Like, you know, it's like your retirement depends on it, right? Like you're using your retirement money, you know, you, at this point you're profitable right away. Where was the biggest lesson in those first five years that you can share with us? Like something crazy that like you just totally screwed up and you learned from. Um, there was a lot of little things. I never really got nothing that bad. hurt. Nothing bad, bad. I mean, I lost money on, on deals for sure, but it would be like eight grand or 10 grand, but I had. Gotcha. You know, so you never lost like a hundred grand on a deal or something like, cause I mean, once you made that 27, it's like, you were always in the plus then no matter yeah. what, like you were always in the no. plus just learning. No, I mean, I'm learning deal. I'm learning lessons now. Well, I mean, this, of course this big that, deal we just did. We're going to get to that. Yeah. I, I want to get to that. You know, man, we don't time is running out. Yeah. Dan, I tell you what, I feel like. We could talk about hard money. We could do a whole show on hard money. We could do a whole show on um, investing in your uh, education and masterminds and stuff like that. You're into real estate. You're a contractor. We didn't even get to that point yet today. We're going to have to have you back. I mean, like, I think <laughs> we're, we're going to have to have you back because there's yeah. a lot to cover. And I feel like my audience, unlike, you know, most of the people you hang out with is already in this world, right? You know, you hang out with all these real estate people. You're hanging out with people that are already in this most of the people that follow me, I think, and the, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, they might have one or two, they might have got their toes wet, but they're not doing the level. I'll never forget when I first met you and you had your computer out and you were showing me all these spreadsheets. I was just like, I don't want to. I was like, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know this. Yeah, like I don't want to know. I just want to know a guy like you. So if I ever do it, I just want to be like, here, Dan, you tell me what we're gonna do. I love it, man. The trust I have with my lenders, I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous to to you know, to look at what the balance sheet is of how many people trust me with their money. And, uh, we're, we're on it together. So we when you had those, together. when you had those 30 units, how much were you cash flowing 
Like how much income were you making every month that you could have like just like said okay bye to the job you know I don't know how much you were making. Oh, I don't, no, how much no. were you, how much were you, you, you will you share how much you were making at that job when you left because uh, everybody likes making, that story yeah so when I left I was making as I think that was my last job that was one forty one fifty and I had made up close to two hundred thousand was my peak okay in career sales. all right so I mean but that and that's double what you ever thought you were gonna do you mm-hmm. know as a child. And these 30 units, what were you getting out of there? I could not tell you. You don't remember? Cash flow is not what I'm in the game for, to be honest. Well, I understand that, but you had to be able to quit your job and say, I'm going to go at this full time. Flips were what I was, when I I had two flips lined up. Okay. So what kind of income were you able to, what what kind of income did you know that no matter what? I was making six digits with flips at that point. So you knew it was a safe bet. You could drop the $200,000 job. We're going to like... I'm obviously going to go right back to, I'm going to go to flipping. I'll be able to do more flips though, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. now I'm going to have more capacity. So if I was doing 100000 with flipping a year while I had my job, if I quit my job, I should be at least able to do the 200000 and double, mm-hmm. right? And then at least I can support my family, keep on pace, learn, get better. And that was kind of like the confidence that you had to like just say bye-bye, W-2. It was, uh, I knew I was going to be able to do it. I will tell you that what I'm able to accomplish now being focused I remember having a conversation with the chief operating officer. I had a two-year stint at a, at a tech company. He was very good for me. He calmed me down. He got he helped me get the trucking out of me because um, yeah. I was pretty rough. You know what I mean? Um, so he helped make me a little more professional when I was trying to. Before, you just argued. At a trucking company, you just argue and get your way, right, and work it out. You, you know. But anyway, um, he said it if you modeled out what your full focus was on real estate, like you could do so like he already saw it. He saw it in me. I tell people that all the time. If you can focus, that's why I like, I'm scared to get into real estate, like at a high level, because I just want to focus on keep building my contracting company. Cause I keep telling like, why don't you do real estate? Big fish. Why don't you do real estate? I'm like, well, big fish contracting is like a piece of real estate. Like it's a piece of real estate that I can like, you know, hopefully have a lot of input and control almost every single part of it. And it's a, and it's a, it's an asset that provides then income. So to me, like, it's like, you know, it's like almost like a virtual piece of real estate. <laughs> yes. You know, you can't see, you can't see it, you know, because it's in the air. Right. But I mean, it's an asset that somebody could purchase and then there's income that that asset produces hundred percent. And I can control every single part of it. And again, I have upside because I can decide how fast I want to grow. I can decide how slow I want to grow. I can decide how much marketing I get. I mean, I can control everything, which you can't necessarily do with like one solid piece of real estate. But the only thing you can do in real estate is just keep buying more real estate, which is what, how many units are you up to? 417. 417 units, folks. So you heard in 2018 when he quit his job, he had 30 units. It's, it's 2022 and he's got 417 units. We're going to have to have Dan back because I want to talk to him about that. That's that's a big move to get to 417. I want to talk to him all about the self-improvement and um, the, the masterminds and the people he hangs out with because there's some fascinating stories with that. I want him to come back on the show and talk to us about what it means to both receive hard money to do your own investments and also to be a hard money to give to somebody like Dan to where you can make a return on your money without actually having to do anything. Uh, and park it with Dan instead of, you know, park it in your own 401k or stocks and stuff like that, that you don't, you know, you can't really control those companies. You know what I mean? If you believe in Dan, you believe in what he's doing, 
he's got a track record. He tells you what he's going to give you up front, right, Dan? Yep. I mean, you, you say, hey, you give me 100 grand, I'm going to give you X amount of, you know, APR or whatever it is. Yep. And if there's a contract, it's always tied to something, right? I mean, it's not, right? When you people start out, yes, they usually get the first mortgage. I have people that have been investing. Yeah, then now they're the like, beginning. I don't even care. Yeah, they, just, so I have I have a substantial amount of money waiting to for my next deals. Like they still get paid every month. You know yeah, what I mean, so and so you're like a. It's almost like you're you're running your own bank. I mean, we have promissory notes. I I have a promissory note with them. I pay them what I promised them. Yeah, so it's like you're running your own little like it's like you, it's back in 1900. And you like started a bank with a couple guys and like, it's like, you know, you get some money in from this guy, you loan it out to this guy. And like, you're that guy in the middle. That's kind of like managing all that stuff. Yeah. I we're, wanna... we're making that uh, a little bit more formal. We're probably going to start a fund. I'm going with the, the guys from city life to Vegas to, to, uh, to do that. So we did a syndication for those, that big portfolio we just bought, but um, we're, we're looking to start a fund and make it like I'm a, more official. That's funny you mentioned City Life. I was just talking to Casey. I had a nice, like, hour-long conversation with him, I don't know, about a week ago. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that hit me on the side of the head with the golf ball. I do remember South that. Hills Country Club. But I told him, I said, I want you and Brian on here. I said, because I really admire, obviously, what they're doing in real estate. I don't even understand it all, but obviously it's big and it's been going fast and it's like really something to see. But the culture that they run, I'm really like, you know, it's, yeah, to to be able to scale and keep the culture. Like, I feel like we have a good culture here at Big Fish, but I'm not scaling as fast as that because it gets to me, like, I don't even understand, like, how that, like, how that even happens. Like, I'm fascinated with it. Um, Those those two are, are, uh, you know, Brian, it's funny because Casey's an animal. But Brian recognized what Casey was, and he brought him on. He knew exactly what he could do if he had Casey on the team. And just the two of them together, Yeah, I mean, it is truly like rocket fuel. It's, yeah, well, and that's yeah. how I feel here at Big Fish with me and Rob. I said, like, I, I've been watching Rob for the last six or seven years, and uh, I knew. I said, like, he's the magic piece to help Big Fish get to the next level, mm-hmm. to, get, to get me from a seven-figure contractor to an eight-figure contractor. Um, and the only reason we want to do that is basically to help more homeowners and help more employees and make a bigger impact, you know? Yep. So, all right, well, we're going to have to have you come back. Um, but I always ask people five questions. And I know you talked to me about rich dad, poor dad as being your favorite book. Do you have any other favorite books? Uh, Atlas shrugged. Atlas shrug. Atlas shrugged. Yes. By Ayn Rand. That, uh, by who? Ayn Rand. A-Y-N-R-A-N-D. I'm going to have to buy that book. It's a long one. Oh boy, longer than Twelve Rules of Life by Jordan Peterson. I don't know, but it's it's long. Okay, it's long. A little print. Oh, okay. not for, not for us creative business guys. <laughs> it took me like a year to. Read What's that it. book about? Um, it's 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 fictional, but it's uh it's it's philosophy. You know, it's about basically the the producers of society going on strike instead of the takers. So interesting. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Depends on what mood I'm in. Uh, you know, I always say uh, Billy Madison's like my favorite. Uh, That's good. Comedy one. But yeah. if you like had to like, if you knew you were going to die tomorrow and you wanted to watch one movie, like what would it be Billy Madison? It might be old school now. That old school? Oh, old yeah. That's so sense. good. It's so funny. Nice little Saturday, you know. I might go to Bed Bath and be down a little Home Depot. I'm not sure, you know. I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't we? We should start a frat. Snoop Dogg. Remember, yeah. remember when Snoop Dogg comes out on stage? <laughs> so how about this? You know, I'm in NFTs. I'm following the Gary V Project V Friends. Yeah. So they're having a conference, a marketing conference, NFT conference mm-hmm. in Minneapolis in May. Snoop Dogg is already committed. Him and Gary were hanging out at the Super Bowl. 
Snoop Dogg's going to be at VCon. I'm going to be at VCon. I got I got eight tickets for VCon, and uh, I'm looking forward to that because I'm that's awesome. Because I'm thinking I remember old school. And I remember when Snoop Dogg came out. I'm thinking like. Like, that is so wild, because I remember back in the 90s, you know, we heard Snoop Dogg, and then that movie comes out, what, early 2000s or something yep. like that, and I'm like, all right, Snoop Dogg again. Now it's coming full circle with the old OG, man, coming that, out on stage it, with little Gary V. Yeah. That'll be awesome. You what's, do a little crip walk with him. Yeah, what's your uh, what's your favorite travel destination? You go everywhere, man. I thought I traveled, man. You really like to go places. I love the Virgin Islands, um, but my favorite trip that I've done already has been Ireland. That was Ireland. Beautiful. Did you golf? No. No? Just traveled and went to pubs. Drink a lot of beer. We we hit over 50 pubs. Who'd you go with? Uh, very good friends of ours. You know, family at this point. Uh, yeah, the blends. We, we, uh, awesome. our, kids, our kids are very good friends. Did so the kids go or nah, kids stayed behind? No, nah, it was just two couples. Two couples. It was a blast. We started off in Dublin, ended in Galway, and uh, went saw castles and and breakfast i'm so pretty. curious i know you'll share this because you know you're a pretty free guy how much does it cost me to go to ireland and have a nice week over there because i have no clue i've never been over there across the pond mm, part no. of it's because of fear because i just don't know what it's like over there yeah I, I really 10 I grand less than that oh so you can less go for, oh okay awesome all right well then it's no it, big deal vegas yeah. is more expensive Miami can be more expensive. I mean, oh, like, yeah. yeah. So just go over there and just get it done. Absolutely. All right, cool. Yep. What's your favorite restaurant in the whole entire world? Same question. If you if you knew you were going to be gone tomorrow and you had one last meal, where would you go? Mm. I don't know. Don't say Capital Grill. <laughs> I feel like you always want to go there. I like the Monterey Bay. Monterey Love Bay. Love the view. That's a Pittsburgh restaurant, folks. You guys heard it here. Monterey Bay. It is a great view. Yeah. It's a great view. You can say this. You can see the stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all glass. Yeah, it's a, it's a great spot. And um, who's your favorite person? Favorite person? I I would you know probably always uh, say my mom. You know, you yeah. know she's not with us. Uh, you know, but now you know Stephanie is probably you know my little daughter, uh, my youngest daughter. She's probably my biggest. She's the thing that helps me disconnect. I will work every hour of the day but when she walks in uh she can help me disconnect like no one else so just i know we're gonna wrap this up give me tell me a little bit about stephanie because that's a whole other story oh yeah i got chills just thinking about it (laughs) tell me about stephanie steph was uh the present that i didn't know i needed Um, but she was born she was born with down syndrome we had no idea until she she came into this world and uh for two weeks, I, you know, was hoping to wake up from a horrible nightmare and, and, uh, you know, it, it changed my life, but you know, she starts smiling and you could, you could see that personality from an early stage and, and, uh, she's just, she grabs everyone's heart that gets to know her, man. She's, uh, she's just really special and she's really, she really helps. She, she helped me become a better person. She's very good for her older sister who, who takes care of her. Uh, it's brought, you know, it's one of those things when that happens and you're not expecting it, you know, from a, a marital standpoint, I think it's going to either put a wedge between you or bring you closer together. And Nicole and I really banded together whenever she was born. And I think we probably needed that, to be honest, at, at that time of our life. Yeah, it's always amazing. We talk about adversity a lot in business, but it's like that little adversity in your personal life made you a better human, a better husband, a better father. Um a better business person, better dealing with people. Right. And then you always have, no matter how big your vision is and your goals, 
you're always going to be able to come back home and get really grounded again, right? And yep. like just be grateful that you have an awesome family. I mean, you guys should follow the guy on social media. How's how's how does people follow Dan Const- Constantino? <laughs> Almost did it again. Recovery. Uh, go to my website and you can you can hit my socials up. It's four one two ah.com and you can hit all my socials there oh your socials are there yeah because you got to follow this guy he's inspirational he's always posting content he does a good job and i'm a marketing guy so i always tell him he does a good job of mixing up with family his hobbies business you know his everything that he's doing it's a really good even balance so you never kind of get bored you'll like seeing the same thing over and over again so it was awesome having you on i'm definitely gonna have you back we got lots awesome, of, we got lots to talk about i enjoyed that flew lots by. to talk about All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Big Fish Cares podcast. It's our passion to help share stories and journeys to help inspire optimism, to take action and accomplish your goals. Make sure to like, rate and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on the website at www.thebigfishcares.com. Find us on Facebook at The Big Fish Cares and on Instagram at bigfish.benny. See you next time.